Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Hey friends, welcome again to Engage 360 at Denver Seminary. We're glad you're with us for another great conversation. My name is Don Payne. I'm your host and want to start off our conversation in this episode with a question. What would you say is at the irreducible core of Christian ministry, uh, something without which a ministry is not actually Christian. Now, think about that for a moment, but I guess we would have to say, at the very least, the gospel, the gospel message and all that's entailed in that. But interestingly, the New Testament often affixes the message of the gospel to the proclamation of that message. And in whatever informal or creative ways that message is shared, the baseline of that proclamation is what the New Testament would consider the act of preaching. Uh, The act of preaching may take on different cultural expressions, but there is something essential to it that needs attention and perhaps even some retrieval. I'm really glad to say that an emphasis on biblical preaching has been at has been a key feature of Denver Seminary's ethos for over four decades, and we're pleased to host this coming summer in June 2023 a special course and event on preaching that's actually going to be part of our Doctor of Ministry program. So I'm joined for this conversation uh, by four participants, including the the leader of this whole event, Dr. Scott Wenig who is Professor of Applied Theology and Haddon W. Robinson Chair of Biblical Preaching here at Denver Seminary. And those of you who are uh, grads or current students will know Dr. Wenig very, very well. Scott, welcome. Thanks, Don. Great to be here with you and everybody else on this podcast. Uh, Joined also by Dr. Ramona Spillman, who is Pastor of Adult Ministry and Missions at Cherry Hills Community Church here in the Denver metro area. Good to see you too, Don. Yeah, Yeah. good to have you here, Ramona. Uh, Joined by Dr. Doug Moo, who is Kenneth T. Wessner Professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. And uh, Dr. Moo's name will be well known to many. Doug, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And then finally, Dr. Steve Mathewson, who is uh, director of the Doctor of Ministry program at Western Seminary. He's going to have a role in this as well. Steve, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Steve is um, brother to our own beloved uh, Dr. Um, Dave Mathewson. And uh, there are probably some great stories uh, (laughs) to that sibling relationship. Oh, yes. um, Yes. I would love to get into, but that might be more for my own interest than anybody else's. (laughs) Uh, First, um, Dr. Wenig, Scott, tell us uh, a little bit about this upcoming event this summer. Uh, It's it's related to what we used to call the Shannon Lectureship. Um, Give us a little bit of that history and what we can anticipate for this summer that will set the stage for this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Don. Back in the 1980s, uh, there was a very generous benefactor to Denver Seminary, Dr. Shannon, and uh, he was a judge. And uh, he was really, really, really concerned about the development of preaching and preachers, and he made a substantial contribution to Denver Seminary. And so we created a lectureship named after he and his wife, the Shannon Lectureship in Preaching. 
Uh, well, just due to some changes at the seminary over the last few years, uh, we have decided to shift the focus of that lectureship, which we used to do in chapel, to creating a preaching seminar this summer, in which uh, it will just be called the Shannon Preaching Seminar. And uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we've invited Dr. Doug Moo to come in and exegete 10 passages out of the book of Hebrews and give us an overview of the book. And then Dr. Matheson and I are going to uh, tag team and take turns, you know, talking about how those passages might be preached. And so at the end of three and a half days, all the participants, whether they're local pastors or students in the D-Men or homiletics uh, in the MDiv program, they're going to be able to walk away at the end of three and a half days with uh, the foundation for a sermon series out of the book of Hebrews, but uh, it's going to be more than just academics. We're going to do a lot of fellowship and have a good time along the way. Now, apparently the origins of this came out of some uh, some instruction at Gordon-Conwell Seminary that uh, Ramona, I think you were part of. And right? Steve was part of the original group, weren't you, okay. Steve? Or close to Right. I, jo- I joined after about a year. So after the first Group of, so Ramona and I both graduated from the DMIN program at preaching at Gordon-Conwell with Haddon Robinson. And I was part of the second class, the first class that went through. When they were done, they asked Haddon, is there any way we could continue to get together and talk preaching? So in 2000, uh, he said, sure, we'll, we'll get together the week after Mother's Day. Uh, you find a place. And so there were, there were a few uh, students from Canada, so they met at a camp in Canada, and uh, Dr. Robinson invited his friend Bruce Walkey, and Dr. Walkey taught on Proverbs and then had and led the discussion, all right, how are we going to preach this? And they did that for four days, and then uh, the next year, uh, yeah, they moved it. They found a, a place in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is uh, about an hour north of where I live in the Chicago area, and uh yeah, it's, it's been held there ever since. I, I think I started in 2002, and that year I uh, hadn't brought in Danny Carroll, who used to be a Denver Seminary faculty right, member, right. and Dr. Carroll did uh, the Minor Prophets, and it's it's happened ever since. Uh, you know, even when I uh, hadn't went home to be with the Lord, uh, a couple of us, uh, myself and Chris Dolson, kind of inherited the responsibilities and You know, Ramona can speak to this, too. I I think initially we all got together. We were just thrilled to sit under Haddon's teaching, and we do miss that. But over time, I think it's become a, wow, this is a place where we can come for four days and work on a book of of Scripture. We go back and forth between Old and New Testament, you know, take 10, 11 passages, and and we have a biblical scholar who kind of uh, walks through those passages with us, kind of exegetes it. And then uh, used to be Dr. Robinson, now uh, uh, poor substitutes. Uh, Chris and I <laughs> lead the preaching discussion. <laughs> but it's become rich. Uh, we, we love the, the camaraderie, but also uh, going home and having, uh, hey, good start on, on a sermon series or, or at least 10 sermons. Yeah, so, yeah I, Ramona, you can fill in some details, I suppose. I would say it's even a little more than that. I think at least sometimes in the daily grind of ministry, um, as great as it can be, you don't always have the concentrated time to actually think about things. Yeah. You may be preparing exegesis, you may be studying, but the opportunity to not just 
focus on a particular book, but to discuss it with your peers who are all, the, the fun part about this is everybody's in a different setting. Everybody's preaching and teaching, but everybody's in a different setting, come from different, somewhat different theological backgrounds, though we all believe scripture in the authority of scripture and that Jesus is Lord. So there's no question there, but the the ability to be stimulated by those kind of discussions is invaluable. Well, and this really harkens back to a long legacy that Dr. Robinson left here at Denver Seminary when he was president in bringing together exegetical work with homiletical work, um, building a bridge between those disciplines so that homiletical work is not merely focusing on methodology and elocution and delivery, uh, and the exegetical work gets gets fused into uh, the act of preaching, which is a just a, a beautiful legacy he has left and that continues, and I hear that in uh, what you're describing with this annual event. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to some of the logistics of the event and what people can look forward to if they are able to access that in any way, but I'd love for us to have a discussion about preaching. Uh, a, a, dis- a distinction is often made in lots of conversations between preaching and teaching. Uh, since the, the biblical word for preaching actually pertains to gospel proclamation, have we, have we changed how those terms, preaching and teaching, are used in the modern Christian vocabulary? Are, are we using them well, or do we need to... Um, kind of scrape and uh, retrieve some of the terminology we use for preaching and teaching? I think that's a great question. My own observation is is that we use those terms synonymously in church world. Uh, I'm going to do a teaching series on the book of Hebrews, or I'm going to do a a preaching series out of the book of Joshua. So I think in church world, a lot of times we we use those as synonyms. I mean, I've always made the distinction in my own mind because I'm a preacher, love to preach in local church. I've been a pastor on the staff of four churches, you know, so I've, I've preached on and off over the last 40 years pretty consistently. But I'm also a teacher. I, you know, teach preaching, church history, pastoral leadership. Uh, I've always said this, and then, you know, Dr. Moo and, and Drs. Spillman and Matheson can weigh in on this. I've always thought that, that teaching was primarily cognitive or content-oriented with, at least in my case, <laughs> some emotion. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some passion and emotion to the classroom. Just that's, that's the Irish in me coming out. But preaching is primarily, while it's got content, and it should have content, as you just said, especially if it's expository preaching, it's coming from the Scripture. But, but I've always thought that preaching was persuasive wasn't just going for your mind. It is trying to instruct your mind. It's going for your heart and your will. It's trying to change your direction in life, whatever that might look like. So sure, there's overlap, but I do think that there's still a distinction between what I would call the two disciplines. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear what others of you weigh in on that. What's the? Is there a difference between preaching and teaching? Um, are, are we using those words in the ways we need to use them? Yeah, maybe I could jump in uh, quickly to maybe both uh, confirm what Scott just said, but maybe to tweak it a little bit, um, although not in a major way. I think uh, as I am mainly a teacher, professor, teach at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School for 23 years, and I've been at Wheaton for 23 years, long, long time, hard to believe. But uh, uh, the teaching I do at those kinds of institutions as a Christian and to committed Christians, there is a call for response. There is 
focus on changing the heart, not just the mind. I think any teaching uh, that, that is worthy of the name that has to do with the Christian scriptures has, has to respect the, uh, the, the point of scripture to transform humans and not just to sort of uh, engage our minds. To me, a key difference between teaching and preaching is that uh, preaching is a bit more formal and particularly uh, teaching is often dialogical, at least the way I teach. Um, I like to teach in constant interaction with my students, back and forth in dialogue, uh, which is different than what we do in preaching. Those, those, least, sound, usually, yeah, those, those sound like uh, largely methodological distinctions. Is there a theological yeah. distinction between preaching and teaching? Yeah, I think there's, I, I know there are several words in the New Testament for what we might describe as preaching or teaching. I mean, probably the main two, I mean, Russo to proclaim, you know, to herald, and, and that's where we get preaching. We think of proclamation. We, we proclaim the gospel, but Paul says, uh, preach the word, proclaim uh, the word, and then, of course, didosco would be the, the word, word for teach, and, and you can't go simply on the basis of, of just words, but I think when you look at usage, uh, uh, yeah, the, the preaching is... Uh, you don't want to say it's it's exhortation and teaching is not exhortation, but there is a, yeah, there, there is a heralding, there is a an element of proclamation where I agree with Dr. Moo. I think teaching can be more dialogical. Now, I, I think good preachers, and Haddon Robinson was great at this, he could preach in a way where he was, yes, it's it's a monologue, but he's he's incorporating dialogue within his, his monologue. But I, I do think... Uh, yeah, teaching can tend to be more dialogical. I, I don't know if that answers the question, is there a mm -hmm. theological distinction? But I, I, I think you could, you know, looking at New Testament, not just the words, but the words used in their context, I, I think you can see some shades of difference between the two. Hmm. And thinking about what you are saying, I, I, of course, will agree with most of it. I think, for me, let's just talk basics, preparation itself, there's no difference for me. When I prepare to teach versus preach, I do the same kind of exegetical studies. I'm looking for the same kind of examples. I will say the formality, to use Dr. Moe's words, the formality of preaching sometimes draws, makes me be more concise mm. and um, maybe a little clearer because sometimes in, when I'm in a teaching situation, I have more of an opportunity to, expo uh, to expand on my understanding of the words. And in preaching at least in my context, you have a certain time frame at which they want the clock to stop. <laughs> okay, <laughs> And so um, I think I'm maybe a little bit more serious about how tightly I hold my um, proclamation or my words okay. in preaching. But whether that's a theological difference, I, to me, I don't necessarily see that, though I do understand the difference in the words. Mm -hmm. well, but, yeah. How, how would... How would uh, any of you describe the the importance and the value of preaching, particularly of what we might consider excellent preaching, when there there have for some years been trends, uh, at least in some cultures or subcultures, that want to de-emphasize the importance of preaching? Uh, I know of evangelical communities mm -hmm. where preaching is just not held in that high uh, high regard um, for a variety of reasons. But wh why, why do we need to lay claim to the importance and value of, of preaching, and particularly excellent preaching? 
I'm going to answer from two different perspectives. Number one, I'll answer from the historical perspective. Uh, preaching has a long and glorious history in the church. I mean, you can start with John the Baptist and go through the ministry of Jesus all the way through the ministry of the apostles, you know, all the way through church history. I mean, you think about great preachers, Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, Luther, Calvin, Whitfield, Spurgeon, uh, Matheson, Spillman. And it, it just, I mean, historically, you can't get away from preaching if you're going to talk about the history of Christianity and the history of the church. So that's the historical perspective. Let me put my pastor hat on, and I'm kind of an amateur sociologist. I love church world. I love the local church. And I can tell you from my own observation, over 40 years now, I just don't know of any really going and growing churches that are making an impact both inside the walls and in the community where the preaching and the ministry of the preaching is not highly valued and that is not done at least with a very, very high level of excellence. Mm. I just think it's so important. Within my, again, within our church, one thing I am conscious of when you preach is even though in any setting in our church, you probably have unbelievers. When you preach, you can assume there's a large proportion of the congregation that may be first-timers. So to me, it's important, the preaching and the um, development of the, the craft and the gifts is critical because you don't know if that will be the opportunity, the one opportunity one has to actually communicate the truth of the gospel so that someone can get it in their own, own world. When I teach, I usually know better my audience, and so therefore I can hone it any way I want. When I preach, I'm aware that I know the people who come to my church, mm-hmm. but I also know there's a lot of people there coming from whole different worldviews. And so, which, which really speaks to that proclamation. The proclamation. Character so without the proclamation right? character, that would not happen. Yeah. And then sometimes your verbiage. Now maybe it, I don't know if your guys' setting, but um, in mine, I do use different words. I will even say things like, uh, "Well, I would never say Spurgeon or even Tim Keller or even had Robinson's name without saying some preacher dude or a guy in New York City," because I know in my audience. There are people who may really like the quote, but they don't know who it is. I think we have this, yeah, I think we have this moment in our culture where some, you know, some in the evangelical community have wondered, well, does preaching really translate in, in this late modern world in which we live? And yet when you look around, you know, there are still presidential addresses, there are still uh, TED talks, there, there's actually, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you want to call it a, kind of monologue I, I agree that as as one who loves preaching and I'm, I'm where Scott is I'm absolutely convinced it's it's critical for uh, the growth of a church I agree that it's not everything and maybe some of the pushback comes back when comes when churches or church leaders give the impression that uh, that if all you do is preach the word everything else will fall into place and there, there certainly has to be uh, you know, one-on-one uh, discipleship, and there there needs to be opportunities for dialogue. So, uh, yes, preaching is not everything, but I I think it is it is foundational, and maybe it goes back to being at that formal, a little bit more formal. Even though your style might be more conversational or a bit less formal, I think there's a there is something powerful when a, a preacher opens up uh, the, the Word of God and and proclaims it, and and that word has the 
authority. So I don't think it's at all obsolete. I think uh, uh, if if we're careful, uh, we can we can do it in a way that connects with uh, with uh, the contemporary cultures in which we serve. Talk about if you would talk about some trends that you see in preaching that you think need attention either by way of correcting those trends or, or emphasizing and reinforcing those trends? I, I still see, I'm, I'm surprised sometimes how many, uh, uh, when it comes to sermon structure that we, in our culture, we love bullet point lists, you know, give me a list. And I, I think a lot of preaching that I hear is, uh, you know, take the text and, and, you know, press it into a, you know, a bullet point list, you know, five principles about this, you know, four, you know, keys to uh, whatever. And, and that doesn't, uh, that doesn't, you know, damn your, your preaching or necessarily distort the message. But I think, I I think there's something to, you know, preaching uh, a Bible shaped word in a Bible shaped way. And and even using the, the strategy of the, the biblical writer, and I get asked all the time, how do I keep from my preaching from being boring? It, it kind of sounds the same week after week. And I say, well, you know, follow the lead of the text. I mean, we, we have all these different kinds of uh, biblical literature. And, and uh, you know, even Hebrews is, uh, uh, the letter to the Hebrews is an extended sermon. I'm actually uh, preaching through it now. My timing's not good because I should <laughs> wait until after we're together yeah, with Dr. Moo. Yeah, you don't want to have to correct but, and re- uh, re-preach all those sermons, do you? Yeah, that, that, uh, that's right. I'll get another chance. Uh, but I'm, I'm just struck by some of the literary strategies of the writer, and I, I think I think those can be used at times, You know, follow the same set of tracks that uh, the biblical writer did, and I think that can create some variety. So that, that would mm-hmm. be one. Uh, maybe that's a trend I would like to see. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I see it enough. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I would, I, you see? yeah well, Dr. Moo. I, I would just, I would just say the, 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 this, the same thing. I think we, we can be thoroughly biblical preachers and be innovative and creative about the way we present the scriptures. Uh, of course the challenge to that, and I have great uh, understanding, I think of this, uh, pastors are so busy. Uh, it is easier to kind of work with a template that you just pour the text into week after week because that's a time saver to some degree to do creative, innovative structuring and so forth that could take more time. Uh, and so part of this gets back to churches uh, being willing to support uh, pastors on staff to give them the time to preach well. Um, and I think that's something that uh, congregations, uh, elders, church boards, whatever we call them, uh, need to, 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 to get behind a little bit more than they have sometimes. Don, one of the things that I see on occasion, and I just ran into this a couple of weeks ago, is where people who do a book study, but they'll come to a text in a book, and because the text is really hard, they preach on a piece of it that they can make relevant to the audience, okay. rather than really wrestling with why did the author write this text this way? What's going on here? What's the author's flow of thought? What's the author's intent? Because that's going to take a lot more time, a lot more energy, a lot more thought. <laughs> I, 
I just came across this pastor, and he's he's the senior pastor of a really big church, and he's had a great ministry. He's he's a guy that, in all honesty, I have tremendous respect for. In fact, I almost reverence him. But he was preaching out of an Old Testament narrative, and it's a hard narrative. If you read it, you're going, yeah, that that's a hard text. But what he did was he he preached what we call a proverbial message out of Romans chapter 12 from an Old Testament narrative and only referenced the narrative one time. And I remember thinking, okay, I know you guys are going through this book study of the Old Testament, but why didn't you just say, okay, I'm going to either skip this narrative and go to the next one, or um, you know what, uh, I'm just going to do a proverbial message out of Romans 12 and and forget the Old Testament today. <laughs> and, and, and so I think one of the reasons I'm excited about what we're going to do this summer with Dr. Moo is He's going to unpack for us what I've always considered to be an exceptionally challenging book in the New Testament for all kinds of reasons. So I'm thrilled to just sit at his feet and say, yeah, what, what is the author of the Hebrews doing here? So uh, anyway. And then, and then how do we preach yeah, that? Yeah, and then how do we preach that? Yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. How is it, do you think, that that solid preaching, good preaching can actually promote the gospel, whether or not it's explicitly and directly proclaiming the gospel message, you know, as we would crystallize that. But how, how is it the solid preaching actually promotes the gospel? And then conversely, how, how unskilled preaching might be a detriment to the gospel? One way that happens is, is sermons that are heavy on exhortation but the exhortation is is divorced from from what god has done for you in christ and okay it just strikes me it's it's no secret some of the new testament letters you have you have sections of uh, uh what we often call indicative this is this is who you are in christ this is what christ has done for you and then you get the imperative then you get the commands and i i think we we have to do better at showing from the scriptures themselves. It's, it's right there. Uh, but to show that uh, uh, these commands flow out of what God has uh, done for us, really out of the gospel. You know, the gospel is not just something for uh, non-believers that gets them into, uh, uh, into a relationship with God through Christ. And, and that's wonderful, but uh, we never leave it behind. You know, what is Philippians 1, you know, 27, where, yeah. where Paul calls people to live lives, you know, worthy of the gospel right. or, or when he tells us to forgive, he says, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So he's, he's tying that back to the gospel. And I, I think that's, that's something that we can all do. And when we do that, I think it'll free people from this. Yeah. You have to try harder. Uh, but on the other hand, you, you don't want to just say, well, you know, Christ has done it all. You just, you know, sit back and be passive. It's no, you, you have a responsibility, but you can do it in, in the power of Christ. Yeah, that, that sounds, uh, Steve, like a theological skill in preaching is proper is to tie together properly the indicative and the imperative. The this is what Christ yes. has done yes. and, and therefore this is how we respond. And that is a that that, that is a skill to to do yes. that. Definitely. Uh-huh. I think it takes work, though, and I think what does bother me a little bit is the number of people I know who are great communicators, but who will openly say they just don't have time to study. Um, and I know that gets back to what Dr. Moo was saying in regards to churches have to give people that space, but of all the things that concern me in the preaching front is to have 
some great communicators preaching that don't have time to actually do the work of study. Oh, okay, Ramona, you're putting your finger on something that is, uh, I think, at the at the core of a lot of misconceptions about preaching. Is it, I'm going to ask this somewhat rhetorically, okay, is it possible to be an excellent communicator and not be a good preacher? Well, I yes. obviously think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, is that I a mean, trick I said, question? I teed you up on that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, not a trick question, just as a rhetorical yeah. question, but... Uh, is it possible to put so much emphasis on communication and methodologies and still fail to be a good preacher? Yeah. Um, now, maybe yes. a more difficult question is, is it possible to be a good preacher without being a good communicator? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think better. so either. I, 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 think, I think you have to lean into merging those two together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you could be a good writer and not be a good preacher. Yeah, clearly. I think we <laughs> no, <laughs> lots so. of anecdotal evidence to uh, to, <laughs> to that point. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> right. and, and you can be a good preacher and not a good writer. That's true. <laughs> That's <laughs> Plenty true. of anecdotal evidence on that as well. <laughs> yes. Well, what, are, what are some ways that each of you might suggest for anybody who is preaching or wants to preach or wants to preach better? How, how do they enhance and improve their preaching skills? That's easy. Um, you know, come to the Shannon Preaching Seminar. <laughs> well, there you, there you have yeah, I, yeah, set, I, yeah. set you up for that. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm serious about that. It's, uh, boy, it has just boosted my preaching because one thing it does, is, as we've identified, time is difficult. Just to have that extended time where you're thinking deeply about a, a book or a section of Scripture, and it's not like you go home with... Uh, you know, 10 messages that are ready to heat and serve, but you go home with a grist for, you've thought deeply about not only the exegesis, but how do you communicate this? And so you, you've got a running start. Plus, you're in dialogue with, uh, you know, other women and men who are, are preaching on a regular basis. And you, you pick up ideas. And and uh, so I, I'd say, you know, become part of a community of, of preachers. And, and this is one way that you can do it. Dr. Moo. My experience uh, in the seminar, I've done two of these uh, seminars and had the privilege of working with pastors there. And uh, as is often the case in my experience in these kinds of things, um, yeah, I would like to think that I'm, you know, hot stuff, that I'm giving people really good material, and maybe the material I'm giving is adequate. But I consistently find the most important part of that week is the interaction among the pastors who are there. You know, I think the pastorate could be a pretty lonely place, um, and for the opportunity to get pastors from various backgrounds and contexts together over four days and really think together about the word, hear different ideas from other folks, uh, it just is a very encouraging time, I think, for the pastors who are there, and, and a stimulating time in terms of revisioning what preaching could and should be, and picking up ideas from from, from others. Ramona, Scott, you're... Uh... Your top keys on improving preaching skills. Well, I was a little less direct. I was going to say reading. I mean, I think it doesn't. It won't help your delivery. But if you don't have, if you only have the same old information you had when you graduated from seminary or whatever it may be, it's going to be tough to yeah. come up with illustrations and our application and our even understand what the latest developments in research is. But as far as a, a seminar like the one that y'all are going to host here, uh, the Shannon Lectureship thing, I, um, it's been invaluable to me. It's made me look at things differently. I mean, I don't know what the attendance will look like here at Denver Seminary 
but we've had all sorts of people from ecclesiastical bents that differ. And the way they would apply those things might never fly in my church, what we learn. But I always learn something from it. I always do. And usually, sometimes it's about my own spiritual growth mm. as well as this is what I bring home to teach on. Mm. Okay. As somebody who loves to preach and teaches preaching, <clears throat> one of the things that I would encourage anybody who's a preacher to do is to be willing to submit themselves to evaluation by some people either on their staff and or in their congregation. I have a couple of pastor friends, and what they do is they gather together a group of four or five people every week, and they lay out for them the initial direction their sermon's going to go. And then they go around the room and say, okay, how is this going to work with your demographic? How's this going to work with the people that you represent? What do you think about what the, the angle that I'm taking here is? And then they take all that feedback and they go back and they'll refashion the message for that Sunday coming up. Uh, years ago, this is when I was at a church on staff at a church out in Littleton, um, and I think I got this idea from Ramona or Steve or Haddon or somebody, but I had uh, people that I asked to evaluate my sermons. And uh, they, were, they were people that I knew liked me but would be honest with me. And it was interesting. I've shared this in my preaching classes. My most effective critic was a young woman who was in junior high, and she'd come up and say, that worked or that illustration didn't work. And she really helped me improve. And she eventually grew up, came to Denver Seminary, got an MA here, went on staff at her church. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for her <laughs> input in my preaching. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Well, Scott, tell us um, or, uh, something about how people can get involved with, how they can access and benefit from the event coming up, the Shannon event coming up this summer. Yeah, there's a link on the Denver Seminary website uh, related to future events, and you can just go there and, and look at that link. I think you have to scroll down on coming events, and you'll find the link to the Shannon Lectureship. It's $150, which uh, I'll quote my best friend, who is my wife, and she said, man, Given that you have Doug Moo and Steve Matheson helping you out, Scott, she said that is a deal. That is a deal, and I think she's absolutely right. $150 for three and a half days, and uh, as Ramona has said, as Dr. Moo said, as Steve said, we're going to have a really good time. So you can go on there. There's a QR code, I think, on there, and it just uh, will help you register. We'd love to have anybody and everybody who's interested come join us. Yeah, great. Friends, thank you all. Dr. Steve Matheson, Dr. Doug Moo, Dr. Ramona Spillman, Dr. Scott Winnig. Um, grateful just for the many different levels of contribution that each of you make to the to the church to uh, God's kingdom work. Um, I know you've you've coached at Ramona. I'm thinking about all the people you have coached in homiletics labs here, and Steve and, um, and Scott and yeah. Dr. Moo. Your your input in so many students for uh, so many years. Thank you for that kingdom work, and then for bringing that together with what we're going to be doing here at the Shannon event this summer. We're really excited about it, excited to have uh, you all come here and interact with people for a few days and see what uh, what comes of that for the Lord's purposes. I'm glad you've all been able to spend some time with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah. you. Friends, we're grateful for the time you spend with us here listening to our conversations and hope they're beneficial to you in your personal walk with the Lord and in your ministry, whatever that is and wherever you are. Uh, we're grateful for your uh, interest in and your connections with Denver Seminary, whatever those are, and we'd love to hear from you and let us know how we can serve you better through these conversations. Uh, till the next episode, next time we have with you, we uh, 
wish you all the Lord's best and would love to uh, have you uh, maybe give us a rating, a review, or communicate with us in some way and let us know how we can pray for you. Take care, friends.